everybody. How is it going? This is Macaw Podcast Universe, where it we is, It exist. is the. You always say Macaw. It's the podcast. The Macaw Podcast Universe. We, exu- uh, we, <laughs> we exist to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. And today we are... We're probably doing the... I mean, because of what they talk about. The yeah. sequel of all sequels. Yeah, we're covering a movie that is about whether sequels can be better than the originals. And there's an argument in the movie that sequels are never better. Yeah, and we've covered several of the movies they talked about. Yeah. So, hey, we're we're only a little over a week from Halloween. Things are really heating up. And um, we're covering Wes Craven's Scream. Indeed. Now, last week, we did our first episode on Scream, and it was our longest episode to date. Yeah, we rambled hard. No, stop downplaying it. It was a great episode. Um, But we'll see how far we get on this one. Um, And a quick warning, if you're listening now, there's construction going on beside us. I don't think it's going to interfere, but it may. So uh, just be aware of that, because we strive on having good quality recordings. So... Tell me about the first time you saw this movie, Jordan. This movie I saw, uh, it was a blockbuster rent. I in the last episode. How appropriate. I know. In the last episode, talked about how my sister and I rented, I think at the time, all three of them okay. to watch. Because I don't think the fourth one was out yet. By the, I, but by I, the time, I feel like the fourth one comes out in 2011, I think. Yeah, so this is before that. 2010. And... I think, I, from my memory, it's the Scream 2 where that summer we had just gotten a puppy. Uh-huh. And it was such a great summer because of the puppy. But it was like, we're also watching Scream. And today mm-hmm. we're watching Scream 2. And we got so freaked out. I'm assuming it was the scene with Courtney Cox. In, in the, the recording studio? Yeah. The, yeah, just that the, seems the tension scary. is so high yeah. that I think we were like, let's go take the puppy outside. And we were all like not admitting we were afraid. <laughs> well, speaking of like scary scenes in the movie, apparently on the script, I don't know which scene it was, but there was just a page or so where Kevin Williamson, who also wrote this movie and wrote Scream, he just wrote, Wes Craven makes scenes scary. What? Because he's like he'd he, by that time he'd worked with them and he's like okay this scene just needs to be scary and he can do it, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's pretty interesting. Well, we'll get, we're gonna get into some very interesting facts about this the screenplay oh, okay. on this movie. But um, is that all you wanted to say about your first experience? Yeah. And then so the first time I saw it was last year around this same time when when we went through and watched all the Scream movies. And I was really excited to watch this movie because it's referenced in a Patrick Willems video uh, about movies within movies. Mm. And so I was kind of like, the the what he had described as that, I, when I saw his video, I hadn't seen any Scream yeah. movies, but um, what he was describing as what happens in this movie I thought, whoa, this seems really wild. And at the time you saw that, you hadn't seen any of them. Yeah. And were like, oh, it's just that slasher movie series. I don't, I, I, not had that you thought it was so bad, little knowledge of what Scream was yeah. until I finally but, but watched it. What I mean is, is you didn't know it was a commentary. Yeah. At, or was meta. No, I didn't. Um, next, next week, we're going to talk about my first experience with Scream. 
which you probably forgot about. Yeah. But I can't talk about it yet because it's the next movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not the fourth one. It, no, it's the next one. Is there a Culkin in it? No, I don't think so. That, it was the third one. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, well, we'll get into it next week, Micah. Um, so I was excited to see it. Then we watched it, and I, I really enjoyed it. And then we watched it last night, and I also really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's just something so fun about the movie. Like, So if you didn't watch the movie or you're just refreshing, this movie opens with a movie called Stab premiering that is the events of Scream mm-hmm. uh, to, um, from a book that Gail Weathers mm-hmm. wrote. I mean, already it's kind of like, how do you even explain this? I know. But when it happens, it's just like, this is so cool that they kind of had the audacity to do this. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. We're probably going to spend most of our episode talking about the <laughs> that part of the movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's my experience. I really liked it. And that's it. That's all you'll say on the matter. That's it. Yeah. But um, let's get into how the movie was made. Directed by Wes Craven, uh, screenplay by Kevin Williamson. Cinematography is by Peter Deming, who was the guy who finished Got it. Scream after there was the blurry footage debacle. Um, music is by Marco Bel- Beltrami again, or Marco Beltrami. Um, the budget of this movie is about $9 million higher than the last one. It's $24 million. Okay. Domestically, it makes $101 million. <laughs> And then worldwide, it makes $172 million. Yikes. And here is what I thought was wild, like so wild to me. Do you know when this movie came out? 1997. It came out in 1997. And remember, when did the last movie come out? 1996. So this came out less than a calendar year after Scream 1. And there was no making Scream 1 and thinking, oh, and then we're making the sequel right after it. Well... Maybe. Okay. But so this movie comes out December 12th, 1997. So it's like uh, one week before mm-hmm. it would have been a year since Scream came out. But it is it is wild because I always just assume when a sequel comes out that it's been a few years. And I had never looked that up until yeah, today. I, I didn't realize that either. And it's kind of like, whoa. Especially a movie that's commenting on sequels. It just seems like they'd have to put a lot more thought into it. So than what's this. the deal with that? So when they, um, when, when Kevin Williamson wrote the script to Scream, he, what a crazy sentence that was. Yeah. He also wrote a little 15 page, ah, what could be a sequel to gotta, entice studios to maybe make a franchise. Oh, okay. Okay. So he got a head start. Yeah. He kind of had a head start. And then, um, the production of this movie begins just six months after Scream. Okay, I have a question, but... Oh, uh, yeah. What What do you have? Well, okay, so the last movie um, inspired copycat people to actually stab people yeah. as that character. Yeah. And this movie, it, it feels like, it without knowing anything about how it's made, it's like it almost feels inspired by it does feel those that way. things. Did you see anything about that? Not a single thing. Because it also does like with let's say that never happened. It just kind of like makes sense too that that would be part of this movie, right? Like I, it's almost like a coincidence, but it, it does feel like they're addressing it. 
You know, I mean, that's like one of the killer's motives. I know. Yeah, let me look here because there are. Um, no, not legacy. I need controversies. So in 1998, there was a thing. So that would have been after Scream 2. Yeah. In 1999, 1999, 2002. So all the copycat. It was after this movie. Would have come out after this movie. Oh, so maybe this movie inspired people. Like like both yeah. movies, but this movie, because it, it addresses that. Yeah. That's kind of weird. It's like, they, they're call, like they're kind of saying it. It's weird. It's just very fascinating. Yeah, because after watching this movie last night, I assumed, okay, they waited three, four, five years or whatever, and then those copycat killings uh-huh. or attempted killings had happened in real life, and they were like, let's comment on sequels and the nature of like violence and film. What horror can, how it can play a role yeah. in things. But I guess none of that had happened yet. Hmm. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so pretty much very quickly into them, um, like like him, this m- Scream coming out, Dimension, one of the studios, just says, okay, we'll do that sequel. And everyone, it was so much easier to get everyone on board because the other, the other movie was, so was successful. blowing up at the box office and stuff. Everyone wanted to be in it. Yeah. And Craven was happy to come everyone back. Everyone is in it. Everyone is in it. Um, so... Now let's talk about some other stuff. Um, the cast didn't get the last 10 pages of the script until days before, like the days they were shooting. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't know, I don't know if this is like the first movie for this to happen, but there was internet leaks. Oh, okay. Um, there was like a draft that was leaked on the internet. Yeah. And so. The beginning of that. I know, I know. Because like on the, on what I was reading, it, you know, they're saying after that, you know, they started doing all these disclosure agreements with all the actors and stuff. All of that stuff is standard protocol for like every movie yeah. now. Yeah. But back then, I guess that was unusual to be like, you got to sign this thing and you're not allowed to tell people about the ending of the movie and you're not. But that's like you do any movie and you say anything and press, you're getting in trouble. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, people should look up that really funny press interview with mark ruffalo and don Cheadle. And yeah mark, where he talks mark about ruffalo, infinity war like says spoilers and don Cheadle is just so funny and mark's like did i did I, oh was i not supposed to say that and don Cheadle's like i didn't say anything but i wouldn't have said that i would have never said that and mark ruffalo no he just said like i would stop if i was you i yeah. would stop and mark looks like just a kid that knows he's in trouble yeah <laughs> so funny um yeah, so this I this could be like one of the first movies where that's happening. Cuz 97 it's still the internet is not like for everybody. Yeah. Um kind of strange. Um but yeah, so there were leaks and um oh and also it was a 5-page treatment that Williams had made for studios, not, not a 15. 15. Um and so because of the leaks and the quick production, Williamson was rewriting the script like as they were shooting a lot. Oh wow! And Craven had to do a lot of like reworking of scenes and stuff because the script was not like perfectly yeah, that's polished. A, that's a nightmare. I mean, it, well, also I think that's just kind of how it goes too. Yeah, Most, like that we just don't know about, but that's a nightmare. I know it's it's just crazy because a lot of times you hear that and it, and you go. 
especially like if a movie's coming out now and you're hearing about how they didn't have a finished script, then they were rewriting it on set and you go, oh, this movie's going to be a disaster. And I, none of that stuff shines through to me when I watch that movie. No, and apparently The Shining was like that. They would show up and oh, Kubrick right, yeah. hands them like 30 new pages they've never seen before. And they have to learn 30 pages of a movie on the day that they're supposed to shoot it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's something that he as he, he was known for. I just know about that movie. Yeah. But he does kind of seem like a director. You show up and it's like, okay, we're doing this today. Right. And and that yeah. that movie, uh, because of how strange and weird it is, when I hear that fact, it is interesting. But I'm not like, oh, that's so shocking to me. No, I think sometimes if I'm hearing it leading up to a movie, it does make me feel like, how can this be good then? Because yeah. when I hear that, sometimes I think, oh, they're not confident. Oh, yeah. This is different. This is them trying to avoid all the leaks and stuff. But you know yeah. what I mean? And then you hear, I, I mean, even when you hear Suicide Squad had to be reshot because it was too dark like they had to make reshoots, a fun yeah oh yeah. sorry they had to do reshoots for that and it's like shouldn't have said it i mean i know they have to yeah and they're going to but just when you hear stuff like that it's like oh i'm going into this with lower expectations yeah but but to finish uh the the shining doesn't surprise me because of how strange it is uh-huh. this one when i read that fact i'm like oh that's surprising because this script uh-huh. doesn't feel all yeah. over the place yeah it feels pretty pointed the whole time. Um, so, but in 2017, Williamson said that he created a dummy draft, and that's what got leaked on the internet. Hmm. Um, they were worried the killer's identity would be leaked, so we wrote several endings, three in all if memory serves, and when actors and potential crew members asked to read the script, we would send the script with the dummy ending. There was even a fake ending where Dewey was the killer. They existed as a decoy and nothing more. Extreme measures, but we really wanted to keep the killer's identity a secret. Love it. I love that. Have I don't you heard, know if he's just heard... covering his butt or if that's a real story, though. Yeah, but have you heard Edgar Wright doing stuff like like for the his movie that's coming out? Uh-uh. I think I've seen him post things or even at screenings that he's done, like asking people not to talk about it. Cool. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. he wants everyone to have the first experience. Maybe by now we'll have seen it once this episode comes out. Hopefully. I, I think it comes out soon, like the 17th, I want to say. But I'm not sure. We just watched Malignant last night. Yeah. And it's been out for a little while. Yeah. What a wild ride. Truly a wild ride. I kept, I saw people saying leading up to me watching it how much they laughed. But that's really the whole review. It was like, I just laughed and laughed, but not why or yeah anything and it's just like hmm don't really get it but i'm glad they didn't say too much and then we're watching the movie and i laughed and laughed (laughs) (laughs) i think uh because you know for those who don't remember james wan conjuring insidious Insidious, and aquaman so we've talked about him a lot on this podcast um i don't think it was a good movie but it was a fun addition in the james wan canon and i would totally watch it again not soon but um, it's like he took the energy and cheesiness and craziness of Aquaman and was like, what if I put this in a Conjuring movie? <laughs> and but it it's doesn't... not even close to a Conjuring movie. It is nothing no. like any Conjuring movie I've seen, which is not many. But yeah. It was kind of wild. The girl, the main character, yeah. is the girl in The Mummy, the Tom Cruise one. 
That's what oh, we know her from. Okay. But she's blonde in that movie. So she looks pretty different. Okay. But um, was she like a love interest for him or something? Yeah, she's like the girl. Okay. Well, I don't know. You, we, we wouldn't let me finish the movie. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I just turned it off halfway through. Yeah. Pretty bad. It was bad, but I was like, I'm not done yet. But we had to be done. Yeah. It's a rare time when I do that. It so. is. Just cut me some And slack. guys, I know, like, don't don't take that as Mike as a hard ass on that. <laughs> if I really wanted to finish the movie, I would have finished it. Yeah. Clearly, I didn't like it enough. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but I could have finished it. Well, that was so funny. Um, I don't know if you knew about this, <laughs> um, but they released the trailer for that movie um, without any... It, it only had sound effects yeah, in it. Yeah, I've seen it. And it's just him screaming on the plane? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No music, no like, nothing. Like they accidentally didn't, like they sent like the wrong copy of the trailer to How do you do that? Studi- studios and theaters, or not studios, but theaters, and all these theaters everywhere. Like I think it was the first trailer. It's just showing, Tom you know, Cruise screaming. Just, ah! Goosh. Amazing. Uh, okay, so. Let's talk about some other stuff on this movie. Uh, they submitted it to the MPAA eight times to get a pass. So they had to this cut it. This one seems more tame than the last one. It does, but... Uh, um, so Craven learned from his previous mistakes. Yeah. And he had a really smart idea where he made like a really gruesome over-the-top cut as the first cut so that they'd send it back and be like, you need to cut this scene. And he'd be like, yeah, that scene's stupid. Oh, yeah, that is and so smart. And so, like, a couple of the things he did was he... Um, His head gets sliced off. Well, he, he said he reused at the beginning when Omar Epps is in the bathroom and gets stabbed in the ear. Yeah. He reused that three times in the movie so that they would tell him to cut that scene a couple of times. Huh. And then he could use it the one time he wanted Jeez. to use it. Um, and then there was an extended scene of Randy Meek's death that showed his throat being slashed, which he never intended to use. Yeah. So that's kind of smart. Yeah. Um, now, did you wonder at all about the play that was being uh, shown? Yeah. Okay. Greek mythology. So it is the Oirestia, and it's a trilogy of Greek plays centering around an ancient Greek woman named Cassandra. It sounded like it was around Troy, like something like yeah. that around that story yeah okay i got i got i got more to say on it then tell us (laughs) uh the specific play is agamemnon and it can be identified because cassandra and the chorus are wondering if she would enter the palace since she knows she will die if doing so okay so here's a like a like the god of war or something (laughs) i'm getting there uh so here's like a long quote about how this play has to deal with scream so this is a tragedy focusing around a single female heroine cassandra the scream trilogy is also a tragedy (laughs) (laughs) around sydney the oirestea is about cassandra's life after she is cursed by apollo the scream franchise is about sydney's life after her mother's death which we could consider a curse there's a running theme in the play um, that m- about murder and revenge, and so obviously that mm-hmm. plays out through um, this 
movie as well, and there's like familial murder. So it it makes sense that they chose this play kind of as an illustration of Scream. Mm -hmm. Any more questions about it? Nope. Okay. Um, and then finally, I say that like I only have one more. I have a couple more. Uh, they were gonna call it Scream Again or Scream Louder or Scream the Sequel, and the studio was like, no, Scream 2. Let's just do Scream 2, is what they said. I like Scream Again or Scream Louder. I like Scream Louder. Yeah, that's a good one. And then 3 is Scream Loudest, and then Scream 4 is Scream Loudest times 2, and then the new movie that's coming out is Scream Loudest Infinity. And then anyone after that is Scream Loudest Infinity plus (laughs) 1. Louis Arquette is... Um, the father of Rich of David Arquette, and he is the sheriff in this movie. Oh wow! Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Good it was, for him. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nine-week shoot, and the movie takes place in Ohio. To answer your question. Yeah, but that doesn't tell me what college. No. Or like what the set is. That's just where it was supposed to be. Um, and then the score of this movie uses pieces from Hans Zimmer's score for Broken Arrow. Which was originally hmm. just a placeholder, um, but test screenings it went really well, wow. and it, it's all that like guitar stuff as Dewey's walking around. I like that a lot. That's Hans Zimmer. How does that work? Well, I, I, they either re I, I think Marco Beltrami just like used that and kind of molded it to the movie, and then there's also this is Jordan. This is a big one. Danny Elfman did the scoring during the play and then at the end when there's like the choral intensity like the choir is singing danny elfman did that that's cool yeah so there's kind of like three hans zimmer was not involved in this production it sounds like danny elfman was a little bit yeah um so it's kind of fun that there's there's like a spare minute to help yeah with something and and it's not from what i read this was not something where like they stole hans zimmer music it was like they were using it, and then they continued to use it, and I'm sure that they got him paid or whatever. Like, Marco Beltrami is not like... He didn't steal it. Uh, no, I don't know yeah. about that score. He's like, a- oh, yeah, we we used it as a temp track, and then I, I used it later because everybody liked it. I'm sure it. that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just found something crazy that I've I'm, never realized I'm done before. with all my notes. Okay, this is not related to this movie. It, 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 I was looking at Louis Arquette's filmography because I am curious what else that guy has been in. Uh-huh. And I think he, he's just in a ton of stuff and I've seen some of this stuff. But then he, okay. I saw a poster for this movie that just looks truly awful starring David Arquette and he's in it too called Ready to Rumble. And it's got one of the worst posters I've ever seen. But one of the dudes on the poster with him is Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn. And then I see his picture and I'm like, wait a second. That guy who's in Ocean's Eleven, he's in Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. He's one of the brothers. James Conn's son. Look at his face. Look at his face and tell me that that's not his son. No, no. When you say it, it's totally him. Isn't that crazy? It looks exactly like him. Yeah. I've never put that together. Me neither. I'm blown away right now. Yeah. And this isn't even Scream related. And I'm blown away. That's okay. I get it. That's the fun... That's the fun actor stuff that I like to find. Uh, and you're thinking, Jordan, you don't prepare for the show ever. <laughs> you have three times. Then more than three. You did Batman, Godfather, 
in Godfather 3. I think I started off strong at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I am not a good preparer, I've learned about myself. Yeah. I, I'm, I think I, I'm like, I'm not in school anymore. I don't have to do homework anymore. Yeah. And that's not fair to you. And I'd nope. like to publicly apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, if it helps you at all, um, I edit it so that people don't realize that that's happening. So it's just more work oh, for me awful. is all. <laughs> okay. So since there are like, be, because all of Hollywood is in this movie, I'm not yeah. going to like really go through every person. Okay. Like, like I'm going to say like Luke Wilson's in this movie. Oh yeah. We don't have to go over like those people, but like the. But yeah. it's fun to to know. Luke Wilson has a very fun cameo in this movie where he plays Billy in the well, TV. We'll talk about it remake. when we get there. This is my part of the show. And then Tori Spelling also plays Sydney in the remake of the movie. Or it's not the movie's not a remake, but the movie within a movie. Yeah. Um and then we have Portia de Rossi, who plays sorority sister Murphy, which I can I did not remember that she was in this movie, but no. it's it's Lindsay Bluth in Arrested Development. And she's playing Lindsay Bluth in this. She is. Um, and then, like you said, Louis Arquette, David Arquette's dad, he is in Tango and Cash, little Nikki waiting for Cuffman. No, waiting for Guffman. Sorry. The Christopher Guest movie. Yeah. Which which actor are you talking about? Louis Arquette. Oh, okay. Why do they keep calling him a lord in blank check? Christopher Guest. I think he is a lord. How is that? How? Like he... Uh, maybe not. Let, I just got, I don't look. know. I guess I got to look back on his lineage or something. Um, And then Lori Metcalf is in this. Yeah. Which was also, I just can never remember that she's in this movie, which is kind of crazy because I, I think it, I think even at this, let's see where she was at in her career. And yeah, he's a member of the house of Lords. That's it. I, I don't know what, what that, does that means. Mean? Uh, they're a secular member of British parliament. So is that something you're just born into? I thought he was American. He's not American? No. That's I think that's what was confusing to me. Well, okay, he's not a I don't think he's a member anymore cuz he was 96 to 99. Yeah, they said he was a lord. He was born in New York City though. But he his parents can be from England. When using his title, he is normally styled as Lord Hayden Guest. I I don't think in Who movies. Who is this this onion? Yeah, um a British United Nations diplomat was his father. Yeah, so he... Wow. What? A, where's his biography, right? Oh, yeah, that'd be a fun read, I'm sure. Okay, so Laurie Metcalf, around the time this movie comes out... Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I gotta do it this way. Okay, okay. You're looking at Laurie Met Hamstring? Yeah. So, I mean, by the time she's in this movie, she's like, it's Laurie Metcalf. Like, everyone knows her. <laughs> so, it's just crazy that I can never remember she's in it, especially because her being in this movie, it's, I, I think you get, maybe you don't, but get to a point in the movie where it's like, why is she just a reporter in this movie? Uh-huh. And then when the big twist happens, it's like, oh, duh. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's part of the twist. Why wouldn't she? It's Laurie Metcalf. Which, this was great, because watching this movie again, I totally forgot who the killer was. So I was trying to figure it out the whole movie, even though I had seen this movie just a year ago. Yeah. Well, I remembered that it was, like, the mom, and I knew it was Timothy, but I couldn't remember that it was, like, Laurie Metcalf. Well, so because of uh, uh, something I'll talk about next episode, I'm I'm always waiting for this certain actor to pop up in these movies, because I, I always get them confused just 
I, I think after doing this podcast, I won't anymore. Yeah. But it's like when we were watching him, I was like, what's the one that I saw this thing and knew that the killer was this guy? And I was like, what the heck is going on? So when this started, I'm like, I'm like, this is the one. Like, he's definitely yeah. in Scream 2. Um, and then it's going and I'm like, that actor's not in this. Oh, that's funny. And so then I was like, I don't know who did it. And then and then I had a, a vision of Timothy Oliphant having uh, blood on his face. And I went, oh, yeah, he's the killer. Yeah. And then I... And then the the reporter did something, and I went, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think, because I, I remember you said it, or you just said, oh, yeah, and it was pretty late in the movie. And she, I, she popped up again. I think that might have been when Courtney Cox went, like she was on the payphone or something. Yep, that was the scene, yeah. yeah. It, it was like a half hour before the end of the movie. It yeah. was like 10 minutes away from the reveal that I was that I remembered. I didn't even figure it out. <laughs> well, I just remembered. Well, this your second time. I've... I should remember. <laughs> well, I um, bet you will now because I feel like because I'm whenever, talking about it. Whenever we do a podcast, my retention on the movies we talk about is like it's crazy higher. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Martin plays Joel, who was the new cameraman for Courtney Cox. He just deserves a shout out. He was great. <laughs> He's really He's in good. The Odd Couple, um, New Edition, Sister Code, Rita Rock, just a ton of TV shows. Ghost Whisperer. He's all up in TV shows. And then Jerry O'Connell plays Derek. Um, he is in Stand By Me. And maybe at this point in history, a lot of people are like, yeah, we know that now. But when I found out that he plays the chubby kid in Stand By Me, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's crazy. He looks great. Um, not that him being chubby doesn't look great. It's just you didn't think that he'd grow up yeah, yeah. to look the way that he does. Like a statue. But what I know him best from is Kangaroo Jack. Right. He's um, not in Jerry Maguire, right? I don't know. Oh, I guess I should know. <laughs> when did that movie come out? I don't know. I think he, he is. He's in so much. It's crazy. But I, I don't know if that's like a weird memory since I've only seen the movie once of just knowing that it's called Jerry and thinking Jerry Maguire, Jerry O'Connell. <sighs> yeah, he is. He is. Okay. He is. Yeah. I got to watch that movie again. Great movie but you don't have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, he's also in Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and but you can't. I'm teasing things. you. I just don't like that movie very much. Um, and then Timothy Oliphant plays Mickey. He is in Justified, The Crazies, a perfect a perfect getaway. Deadwood. Deadwood. Oh, yeah. He is like one of the big dudes in Deadwood. Yeah. And then... He's also in Quentin Tarantino's most recent movie. Yeah. He's also in Fargo. Yeah. He, and uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Um, I do want to say something quick. Earlier, I said his name. I said Timothy Oliphant because I was I got it confused in my head to when Sam and Frodo see the Oliphants. I'm assuming it's pronounced Oliphant. But you said Oliphant, and I'm pretty sure just you're right. It's an a. But I, I I just thought it was funny that I yeah. pronounced it like. You would the giant elephants and the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, I think his parents are those. <laughs> um, and then Sarah Michelle Gellar's in this movie, which was another yeah. person I can never remember. She plays Daphne and Scooby Doo, so we're keeping it in the family. Yeah, with her, so it's like who could be in the next two? Um, she's also in Cruel Intentions. She is Buffy. The titular Buffy. That's right. So she was probably very poorly treated by mm -hmm. Joss Whedon. She's also when I know what you did last summer. Uh, she 
is well uh, just a reminder to people we had discussed it last episode that next month on patreon we're gonna cover the scooby-doo movies yep and so we'll be talking a lot about her yep next month and then patreon.com slash micah mccaw or link in the description of this video now we can talk about leave let's talk about leave leave schreiber who is in Spotlight, X-Men Origins, The Manchurian Candidate, Everything is Illuminated. Um, Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. Ray, he is Ray Donovan. <laughs> yeah, he is. Nobody else could do it. He plays Wilson Fisk in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's right. Oh, cool. He's, He's so good. So wonderful. For, this is my history with Leave. Yeah. Uh Growing up and starting to get an opinion about things, whenever I would see him in something, which is probably admittedly not a lot when you're a kid, uh, yeah. um, I just never liked him. He always, I was just like, that guy is so expressionless and he's always the same person. I don't like him. Whoa. And then I saw Hamlet because he's in Hamlet. The, the Ethan Hawke one? The Ethan Hawke one. So it's it's Hamlet, but it's contemporary, but they speak Shakespearean and it's such an amazing movie. I've been trying to get Micah to watch it for years and he'll never watch it. Right. Um. Because I and never take your suggestions. I know, about I stuff. know, I know. Um, and he is so—he was so good in it that that I have since changed my tune on him, and I love him, and he's great, and I want him to narrate an audiobook. Yeah, he's—he's he's so good. I, I've never seen anything less than stellar from him, and I also think in this movie he is insanely good. He's so good. He is so yeah. so so. He's good. amazing, and he's in it just enough that it makes me want more. Yeah. Uh, are you, do you have something? No. Oh. Um, and then I'm Elise I'm just trying to Neal, look something up right now. That's all. Elise Neal plays Hallie, Sydney's friend in college. Okay. She's in Hustle and Flow, Logan, Money Talks, A State of Mind, A Black Lady Sketch Show, Into the Dark, and a ton of other shows and movies. It's insane. Um, And then... Let's see, let's see, let's see. Heather Graham plays uh, Casey in the movie within a movie. Yeah. So she plays Drew Barrymore, which is a fun get. Yeah. I feel like, I wonder if this actress quit acting or retired because I don't see her anything in, in anything anymore. But that just might be me. Yeah. I think it's probably me because she has 108 acting credits. Yeah, she's probably still acting. But she's always, every time she's in something, I just love it. Yeah. She is in Austin Powers, um, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Boogie Nights, Bowfinger, Lost in Space, The Stand. Yeah, the new Stand show. So she is still acting. <laughs> yeah. She isn't so much, and she's so great. But this movie, I didn't know that that movie was Bowfinger. Because, okay, so this movie was on TV a lot growing up and i always loved it it was so funny have you seen it no it's steve martin and eddie murphy yeah i haven't so seen it so it's got my guy eddie murphy in it uh -huh. as a kid and it's when a def desperate movie producer fails to get a major star for his bargain basement film he decides to shoot the film secretly around him and i remember it being pretty funny. so funny so we should try and watch it sometime okay and she's in it and i thought she was so funny okay yeah um, that, that sounds like a one a great plot i mean yeah and then Omar Epps plays Phil at the beginning of the movie. So I looked goer. him up earlier because okay. I, I just want to, uh, can I cut him? 
Oh, he's in Love and Basketball. That's what I was going to say. He's I, the guy? He's the guy. Okay. So, like, the whole movie, when, you know, I guess he's just at the beginning, but I was like, man, this guy is, first of all, he's awesome in this movie. Yeah. But I was like, I know this is a good actor, but what else is he in? I like, think I also know him a lot from House. And that was the other thing. So I saw those two things, and I, I thought, okay, no wonder I am aware of this person and recognized him. Yeah. He oh, he was so good. As well as Jada Pinkett Smith. Smith. Yeah. Um, who is in Matrix, uh, Girls Trip, Collateral, uh, Madagascar. The Gotham TV show. Gotham TV show. I looked her up today to spend some time because... Because Micah didn't know it was her. Well, I, I just, I, I, I have like face blindness with Jada for some reason. Every time I see her, I'm always like, who is this actress? She is unbelievable. <laughs> and then it's like... Oh, that's Jada. Okay. I think I got it now. Yeah. I hope so, because she's always amazing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. And But that's why I was like, I'm going to Wikipedia, because I was also confused about when she started acting in regards to having a last name Smith. When was that? And I think that's around, like, uh, this time. Oh, okay. And on, I think. Because for a while, it was just Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Was what she was billed as in other movies because she wasn't married to Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just, I was just like, the way she's talked about it was, it just felt like I missed something. I think, yeah. I think because I didn't grow up watching The Matrix, I think I probably like missed who she was as a person. Who is she in The Matrix? She is. Um, I don't remember her character name, but, but she, she's, she's like in, one of the people working in uh in Zion. <laughs> uh, is that the like like behind the real the scenes? world. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. behind the scenes. <laughs> but she's the um she's in the last two movies. Not the yeah, she's yeah, not because in, she's not in because the Because she's Matrix. with Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. I don't know if she's with him. Are they have a lot of scenes together? I think so. Okay. Been a little bit. Yeah. We need to bone that, up that before Matrix is Matrix. so hard for me because I didn't grow up watching it. Like I didn't watch it yeah. until I was like a young adult. Well, maybe even beyond being a teenager. I just missed it. Well, early life. last summer, I showed you Matrix 2 and 3 for the first time ever. Yeah, so just because I'm so behind yeah. on that stuff, I hardly remember anything that happens in those movies. Yeah, and I've only seen them all twice. Oh, okay. So I, I anticipate and look forward to seeing them all a third time. Yeah, the third one was pretty wild. Third one was wild. They're all really wild. Yeah, but I mean, like wild. Well, well define your wild. in that movie. There were butts in there that movie. There were bare butts in that movie. Is that the is that the orgy scene yeah. one? I thought that was the second one. But oh, I thought that was the third one. Maybe it's the second one. I'm pretty sure it's the second one because the third one is kind of like all action. Because remember, it ends on that cliffhanger with the one guy. Oh, anyway, what? Oh, okay, what? <laughs> at some point on this podcast, we'll talk about the Matrix. Yeah. Um. Okay. Are we good to jump in? Yeah. So the movie starts, my favorite scene of the movie, I just got to say it outright. So cool. Starts on a big high note. Yeah, they, they go to the theater, and there is this movie Stab playing, and it's Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar, Omar Epps. Epps. Yeah. And I keep wanting to say eggs for some reason. Omar <laughs> Eggs. Um, First of all, he's got the coolest name, Omar Epps. You could say that all day long. I love cool. that name. This theater experience sounds like the worst theater experience <laughs> I could ever be in. While simultaneously watching it, it's like, this feels fun. This yeah. seems fun to be there. 
Um, so it's Stab. It is the movie based on Gail Weathers' book, which is retelling the events of Scream 1, like now, we said. One one thing I want to point out, through these two characters and through um, the cameraman, Joel, we have this really fun... I, I think they could go farther with it because they actually follow the tropes. Yeah. But they, they talk about... Like in this scene, you know, Jada doesn't want to go, and she's she's basically like, "Yeah, well, horror movies aren't real good on black people, are they now?" Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, come on, you just you just uh, like are so uncomfortable with anything that's that's uh, white," and and he makes some jokes about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and that's all right. that stuff is really fun. Um, and then later, Joel is like, "I got to get out of here. Like, this kind of stuff is not good to brothers." Yeah, yeah, you know. Right. So I like that they're um, and he makes it. He does make it. You're right. But it is funny because the no. first kill of this movie is a black person. It's yes. Omar Epps. Yes. Um, so they still are like filling the tropes of horror what movies. happened to black people in horror movies. Yeah. But it is, I like that they're addressing it. It'd be kind of cool. Maybe if in the new one, it'd be cool if they, I guess that's kind of tired though now. I think it's pretty, like we've all said that. Yeah. You know, it would have been a little well, they've more. they've already done it. Why do they need to do it again? I I just keep trying to think of like what could be the take of scr- the the movie that's coming out in January. Yeah. So uh, don't listen to me, Micah. Trust them. They got it. I hope so. So yeah, they're this everyone. So they're handing out um, ghost face costumes for anyone to wear that comes with the plastic knives. Yeah. Um. So people are everyone's dressed up as ghost face, running around, chasing people with knives, telling people to stab people. Like it is a. Uh, it is a disa- HR disaster waiting to happen well, at this theater. This is also like watching it now. It's kind of like, oh, this would never happen. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, this is pre Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. when like after that premiere, pretty much they were like, you can't bring, you know, like backpacks in. You can't mm-hmm. you can't wear a costume if it covers your face and you can't bring mm-hmm. any sort of weapon, whether it's fake or not, which is a good rule. Yeah. Uh, but it's a dark room full of strangers. Yeah. But it is kind of like, I, I look at this and I'm like, Oh, it was fun when you used to go to premieres of movies and people would like really dress up as characters. Yeah. yeah. But now they, they can't anymore. And, yeah. And it's good. I think it's good. Oh, but, uh, over on the whole. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean. It's like, we do, we do miss out on that now, but there's also like not midnight premieres anymore the way there were yeah. when we were kids. So it, like the whole fun of, the premiere is not even there anymore. No, it's not. It you should, just reserve a seat. They should just bring that back, though. Not not the reserved. I mean, the reserved seat, fine. But they should they should do like no. Star Wars is not going to come out at six p.m. the day before. It's coming out at twelve a.m. That's the first time you can see it. Yeah, they should do that. I bet some still do that. Yeah, but, be I mean, fun. I I know like technically Probably horror movies do. Yeah, that would make sense. Anyway, hurry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, um, yeah. So the movie—it's the opening scene to Scream One. So it is a girl, yeah. but but I mean, it's a little bit different. Like she's gonna take a shower, and and like yeah, and yeah. The audience is freaking out because she disrobes, and <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith—it's like she. So she doesn't like respect horror movies for one, but then you kind of see like, oh no, she's just scared of horror movies yeah, as yeah. well. So she goes to get some popcorn and soda. And then um, Omar sees her too, or, you know, scares her while she's out there. Um, and then they, she goes back into the theater while he goes to the bathroom. 
Yeah, and and I I <laughs> forgot to point out that the the most of the scenes in Stab were directed by Robert Rodriguez, who's the director of um like Sin City and Spy Kids oh. and so oh, okay. it's pretty Fun. cool that they got like a legit director yeah, to do it. That's cool. And you can tell that who the people like he had fun directing those scenes oh, yeah. and going like really over the top. Definitely. Something he's like not known for doing. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they, yeah, Omar goes to the bathroom and it's this full of ghost is space. Insane. It is. So he goes to a stall and he hears some people whispering or someone whispering yeah. in the stall beside him. And he, he puts his ear up next to it and he gets stabbed in the head through the stall. So gnarly. Yeah. And, and it, what's, you know, crazy and terrifying is everyone's dressed like this. It could be anybody. Yep. Therefore, guy's going to get away. No problem. Yeah. So Omar dead. Meanwhile, Jada is in the theater screaming at the screen for don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, she's so dumb. And I just love that because yep. then she just gets scared. Uh-huh. And then Omar gets back. She's still screaming at the screen and everything. And she notices, though, that oh, her, she, she's, her hands are covered in blood when she touches him. Yeah. And she's realizing this isn't my boyfriend. Yeah. And this person stabs her. And this, this death is rough. It is. But, okay, so before knowing that there were copycat things that happened after this movie, uh, I was under the, uh, under the assumption that they have already happened in between yeah. these two movies. You're talking about the real copycat the attempts real ones. at murder. Because this feels like they're really sitting in how terrible this is. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like the last movie when it was not going well for Drew Barrymore and the music changed and this felt yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this felt, this feels harrowing. Yes. So like, yeah, she's stabbed. And several. also great word usage. Thank you. It, it's especially terrifying when you're in a room full of people who are having such a great time and laughing. And did you notice like she's walking into the aisle and some of her blood gets on a person and the person's like looking down at their arm and then looking at her. Oh, I and did then not looking notice at their that. Arm, like, so, like someone notices that something's not right but that's just one person out of a f- full theater. And then she stumbles up on in front of the screen in front of everybody. And she's just screaming and bleeding. And all people are doing is just staring at her. Yeah. In shock. I know it's, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. Cause it also just makes me feel like, I don't know when you're in situations like that, you, you don't know if it's, like a publicity stunt mm-hmm. or especially back then. I mean, if that happened today, I think we, I would hope that it'd be like, Whoa, everyone call 911. Let's. Well, yeah, it's like the bystander effect in more yeah. populated areas. If someone's in distress, less people are willing to help. It's just a fact. Right. So it's like a room full of people and this person's up on stage all bloody. What's going through everyone's head is, is this real? Or I'm sure someone's already called someone. I know. Kind of thing. That's the crazy. I mean, you know, it's like when we were in New York a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, you know, you'll you'll just hear a scream or someone yelling or something, and you just go. I mean, you look around, but if you don't see anything, you just go. I'm assuming someone was messing around. Well, I think even us as as tourists are like, I'm I'm a tourist. I don't really know what to do, so I'm just <laughs> going to keep walking. Probably not okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um. Sorry, I bumped it. Um. Okay. So, 
So now we cut to college, where yes. Sydney is. And she's getting prank calls from people who are calling her, like the the ghost face. Mm-hmm. But she has this novel thing that they flash like it's really impressive in this movie called Caller ID. <laughs> love it. We love to see it. Yeah, and it is great because they call and she's just so, you know, we've seen that she's like, she can take it. Uh-huh. And so they're calling and they're going, Sydney, da-da-da-da-da. And she goes... Oh yeah, you're calling from five 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 seven two one three. I'm about to call the police. Your name's this and da 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 da. And the person's going, oh no, uh, uh, and they hang up the phone. Great. So she's she's okay. But she wakes up too. So the movie, the premiere was last night. She's aware of it. That's why she's like, the calls are gonna get bad for a while. Uh-huh. But she also wakes up to two people from their college were murdered last night at the premiere. Yeah. So it is like okay. It's probably just a copycat thing. Yeah. But could it be happening again? But it's the beginning of the movie, so we don't think that. Right. Or our, our leading lady doesn't think that. Yeah. So she is living in a dorm with her roommate, and her roommate, what she is really concerned about is pledging at the sorority. Right. Fun college stuff. Yeah, and Sydney's not at all. Just not just like our friend Sydney, she's not in, in, <laughs> interested in being in a sorority. Yeah. Um, and also on campus, the press is there because yep. of what just happened. Yeah, they, so Courtney Cox is there, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cotton Weary is out of jail, and he's there's like some talks about him on TV. You know, we kind of see like, okay, he's out. Uh huh. And that's a little worrisome for Sydney, but whatever, she's not gonna worry about it right now. But he's not guilty. Yes, He's yes, exonerated. but I mean, she knows that she put him in prison, oh, so she yeah, okay, yeah, would yeah. certainly be worried, but she's like, I'm not going to think about that right now. Right. I just got to move And she's it. got a new boyfriend. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, played by Derek, and he seems... he what's, Jerry O'Connell, played by Derek. Oh, played... Derek, played by Jerry O'Connell. Uh-huh. <laughs> what's interesting about the casting that I think they did a really good job at is he seems so different than Billy. Yeah. she. It's like she, she, she dated the... The most clean-cut, best person she could possibly find. I mean, this seems like a guy that would try to recreate a scene from Top Gun in the cafeteria singing a song. Oh, is that from Top Gun? Yeah, they say he's doing the thing from Top Gun. Oh, I've seen that movie once. Yeah, but I don't remember that part in Top Gun either. Oh, okay. But they say it in this movie. Okay. You should have remembered that single piece of dialogue. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Apologize to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, now let's go to the film class. Yeah, which now, is this where is we meet fun. Timothy Oliphant as Mickey, yes. played at, played by Mickey. <laughs> Randy, where we introduced to Randy. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's in there. It's just fun. Yeah, and they're discussing, you know, what, is, they're discussing what happened. Yes. Yeah. Micah, they're, no, Micah. <laughs> they're discussing what happened. They're discussing if if life imitates art or art can imitate life or what's that correlation yeah and in regards to this they're saying like did did this movie inspire the people to be killers or had you know which is a big topic that's pretty hard to uh understand yeah and figure out i mean i think for the most part just like when i was a kid i remember when um what was that game a really grand theft auto came out okay I remember seeing news reports because I was still pretty young yeah. when the first one came out, and there were these news reports about like kids 
who were running around like trying to kill people and stuff because of Grand Theft Auto. I didn't know that about Grand Theft Auto. I know that about Slenderman. Yeah, but but this thing, this sort of thing does happen, and on on you know, on the one hand, it is like I I do think there is a responsibility as an artist on yeah. what you're making, but there is also an element of like. Once it's done, you you don't really have control of what's going to happen to it. Yeah. So, like, I think about The Matrix, and there's the red pill and the blue pill. And The Matrix is clearly not about rights, men's activism, but the uh, men's rights activists have hijacked the term red pill to mean, like, like oh. you've all swallowed the red pill. Oh, really? And you've all... I think it's this way. Like, you've all swallowed the red pill, and you believe that women are equal to us men. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Oh, I've not heard of that. Yeah, it's and it's a big online... You know, it's right yeah. up there with, like, um, what's the Gavin Newsom crap? The Proud Boys and yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's all in that, like, camp of people who are, yeah. like, think that men are losing rights. Um, but it's, like, at that point, that is not the Wachowskis' problem, I think. No. You know? I'm not saying... This is a different, but but I I'm I'm trying to discuss the concept as well along no, yeah. with our characters. I mean, have you heard of of adolescents committing suicide and families suing bands over it because they listen to that band's music? Oh, and your like, senior project rears its head. Well, though that happened in My Chemical Romance. It did. Okay. Uh, and the family blamed them and bl- believed that they were responsible, or or contributed. Yeah. To their daughter making that decision and it's just like huh whoa that yeah i've never considered that yeah and that's stuff i know you know as if as us as artists if our art was you know hijacked to represent like whether we intended it or not like the wachowskis like if our art was hijacked to represent like a nazi movement i don't know how i could ever come to grips with myself yeah but at the same time, or if like my music somehow influenced someone to commit an act of violence, yeah, that would be devastating. Um, but it, but it also, I mean, you just have to try your best as an artist to to put good out there and try yeah. to influence good. But sometimes that means you're exploring dark stuff. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that like I love me... these scream movies. I think they're great. I would not say like I wish they had never been made. No, you know? but I think another thing that I just thought of is when Joker came out, people yeah. were threatening to shoot theaters or to go to theaters right. to do bad things, and nothing happened that we know of. No, nationwide, but it was enough that you and I were like, let's not go to the movie tonight. Yeah, we went but, to like a different showing because like we just had a a pit in our stomach. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that, that's a weird one. And that's crazy. Cause that was opening week and like people hadn't even seen that movie yet. Yeah. And, 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 and that one's like for as many problems as we have with the movie, I, I don't know that it's Todd Phillips fault that like people reacted that way, you know? Yeah. It's like, he made a movie. He was just trying to make a movie. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I th- I think he's got some weird ideas that he's trying to convey in the movie. Well, and I, I like don't know if I agree with the how mental illness is. Yeah, there, there's like but, a lot of that stuff, but yeah. I don't think that he went in with the intent of like, oh. I, I hope we can rile up again men's rights activism groups to like go yeah. to these 
this movie and stir up trouble. It's like, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what him and Joaquin were trying to do right. at all. At all. Um, but let's go to their more fun topic of discussion. Okay. So they talk about how sequels are never better than the originals. That's what they talk about. Folks. This seems like a seminal moment in our podcast that we're covering this. And specifically, Randy says that. Randy says it. Randy would be a bad guest on our and, podcast. And Randy, <laughs> he, I can't remember the exact thing that he says, but it's almost just like, by by making a sequel alone means that it's worse. Yep. And I think, does he in reference to, it's just, it's after the thing that was good enough to make a second thing made. Right. And that's definitely an interesting thought. It is, sure. it is an argument. But then people right away bring up some really good sequels, like Aliens. Yes. T2. T2, a movie we've covered. Or potentially the best sequel ever made, Godfather Part 2. Yeah. According to film buffs. It is, it is very funny, though, because I think for the time that this movie came out, all of that tracks. But watching the movie now, I'm talking about Scream, watching Scream 2 now, it's very much um, like, well, yeah, those are like the obvious answers everyone's going to say. Yeah. When you bring up those sequel examples. Yeah. I think back then, not as much. I mean, people were probably just saying that still, but but now it's like we're like 30 years past, and and that's like a tired thing to argue. It, it Like, I try to look in our podcast for movies that it would be unusual to to be like, oh, actually, I think... You know, again, I'll say it again. Shrek Forever After is the best Shrek movie. Yeah. But um, I do like that one of them says a movie I've never heard of called House 2. Yeah. House 2, the second story. Yeah, which I don't know. Maybe that was just made up. Yeah. But I don't think it was. I've never heard of it. And later in the movie, and this will rile up all of our Star Wars fans, especially Mike. Yeah, Randy's just wrong about this. Randy just has, and he's a film buff, but uh, Timothy... Says to him, oh, I thought this of This is one. a movie. Wait, hold on. Oh, oh, okay. House 2, the second story. The new owner of a sinister house gets involved with reanimated corpses and demons searching for an ancient Aztec skull with magic powers. So when are we watching this? Because look at the cover of this movie. They don't make covers that cool anymore. No. Is House 1 the house, the, like the Japanese no. horror movie? No. Are you sure? This has a very bad rating. House 2? <laughs> yeah, and House 1, kind of the same. Okay. A troubled writer moves into a haunted house after inheriting from his aunt. I mean, we may have to cover that. I would we love to watch this. We might have to cover those just to complete our screamness. But, yeah. Um, so so later in the movie, um, Timothy Oliphant, 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 <laughs> Timothy. However you want. Goes up to Randy and he goes, I thought of a movie where the sequel is better than the original. And he goes, Empire Strikes Back. And Randy responds and he goes, doesn't count. It's a trilogy. Which, but it's that like, was dude, never part of the argument. And also and Godfather's that, a trilogy. That's what I just, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Were there any more alien movies at that point? I don't think there were at that point. And there were no more Terminator movies at that point either. Well, all those things came out around this time, though. Those yeah. three, the those number threes. I think actually, I think Alien Three might have been out. Yeah. Um, and then the the thing he says after that is he goes, uh, he says, it's a trilogy doesn't count, and it was planned. Yeah, which, and it's like, dude, you. And what's funny is I'm mad at an actor oh, when I should be mad, mad at, at Kevin Williamson because. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that was not planned. Yeah, it was not planned. They, they, each each original Star Wars movie someday we'll dive into it. Like George Lucas on those first three was like, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to I do mean, this again. I mean, the first one alone, as they're even filming it, was just like, this is a disaster. This is going to be one of the yeah. worst movies ever made. It does well. And then if if you watch any stuff on Empire Strikes Back, the whole time George Lucas is like, like story-wise, he's planning to make a third one, but he keeps saying, if you see like onset stuff, he's like, oh, this is going to fail. Nobody's yeah. going to see this movie. And everyone, I'm going to be like ostracized. Yeah. And then they make a third one. So... That's crazy to say that. And also, if it is planned, that doesn't mean it's not a better sequel. Yeah. And we had to spend that much time on it, folks. You might be saying, you guys are being nuts, but we have to because that's what our podcast is about. Sequels. So there's Jerry O'Connell. Gail shows up. What? We see Portia. What? We see Dewey. Oh, This is just like when all the characters are coming in. Yeah, so they're like watching the press and everything. Yeah, so port, it's just like, are you going to come to our sorority party? And then they say, <laughs> uh-huh, and then they walk away. But then Sydney meets up with Courtney Cox, and Courtney just wants... Oh, oh, Courtney is talking, is with Cotton. Yeah. And is like, guys, we're all, we're all going to sit down and have an interview. It's right, It's going to be so good right. for all of us, right? And Sydney is so mad. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, and slaps... Courtney Cox. Yeah, so she's cold cocked her twice now. Yeah, cold coxed her twice. <laughs> Courtney Cox. Oh. <laughs> um, and then that was a good one. <laughs> so then Cotton is super pissed. And what's interesting is in the last movie, we thought that he could have just been a rapist murderer this whole time. And now we get to know him. Yeah. So it's like, okay, he's an innocent man, but he's a scuzzball. Because now I all he cares I, about is being famous. And I like that. I, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to get back. He doesn't want to carry on with his life. He wants to make as much money as he, he can. He wants his 15 minutes of fame, he yeah. keeps saying. And I think, it, you know, it's like, this terrible thing happened to me. I should be able to make some money off of it. Which, on the one hand, it's like, I mean, if that happened to me, I think I'd want the same thing. But very, it's a very American idea, I think. Yeah, but but it is pretty wild that I would think that what they do in this, like, if I was writing it, my yeah. my inclination would probably be, I'm going to write this guy. I'm going to make him really creepy so that people think he's the killer, and then at the end, he's going to save him. And it'll be like, oh, I truly misjudged you even a second time. But this makes more sense. But I this think, is I think better. if that's what they did, it actually would be not. It would be kind of poor writing. Yeah. This is so better. thanks for calling me a poor writer. No, no, but th- this is better because for most of the movie, I'm just like, why is he even here though? Like, does he even yeah. live here? Because she like went to college. So why? Yeah, it's like, weird. Let's say that he was fine, and he's just like, I'm just trying to prove to you that I'm a good guy, and you were wrong about me. And it's just like that's just no one would do that uh-huh. if someone was like a nice person and they were exonerated. They're just gonna try and get back on with their life. This guy's right. like, I am tracking her down, <laughs> yeah. and I am making her give me my 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, and it's gross. Yeah, and that's why he's there, which is also fun because he just seems like another suspect, right? In this whole thing. Yeah, I love it. So then Dewey shows up. Because he's, he's just worried that things might be happening again, kind of wants to keep an yes. eye on Sydney. And in talking about Dewey, not long after yeah. this scene, we I just said, du- they were had duped me. He duped me as well. He He's good. And we were just such dumbos when, when in we the watched last, it last episode. Year, we watched all three of them, or all four of them, and I was just like, those movies are so good. 
if only they had chosen a different actor. And this time, for both of them, I mean, the the last movie, I was more cautious because I remembered what yeah. I felt. But both these movies, I'm like, he's doing a lot. He's being crazy. It's some intense choices, but I think it works. It does, and he and this and this it's is really just, he's, boyish and charming. He's still, so in this movie, he's a little older. He's a little wiser. He's he's been he has like nerve damage, so he has a limp now from being injured in the last movie. Uh-huh. Um, but he he's trying to prove himself because in the last movie he was trying to prove himself. Yeah, and he's just continuing to do that because people still look at him as the simple cop. And especially so because Gail wrote about him in that way in her book. Yeah. And then, you know, in the last movie, it ends with them sharing that kiss. And it's like, oh, an unlikely romance. Right. And then they reunite in this movie and they he hates her because she belittled him in this book. Yeah. And it's just like, I thought maybe you cared about me, but I'd remember that you care about no one kind of thing. Pretty good. And it's so good and I love it. And I think their, their, their romance kindling itself yeah. toward the end of the movie actually like it felt earned and if you've never seen this newsflash they do get together like i mean you know that by the end of this movie but like in the series they do and in, in ways you know and it i just, don't even remember it so. makes so much sense yeah i like it they go to the sorority party and they they're all listening to dave matthews music yes. dave matthews band which just cracks me up because i don't think anyone at a college party would be like, let's listen to Dave Matthews. I don't know. It's the nineties. That's true. It isn't is the nineties. Isn't that like his prime? I guess so. Yeah. I'm not a Dave head. So, but it, it does feel right to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Party is packed. Yeah. Uh, one funny thing, hopefully people enjoy these nitpicky moments. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, this party's happening. Sydney shows up with her friend. Sydney takes off her coat. Puts it on the back of a chair. And then scene happens where at the end of the scene, Derek says, grab your coat and we'll leave. Her coat is just on the back of a chair. This is a party of a ton of people. You are not putting your coat on the back of any chair. There is a designated closet or room for that because her coat would be gone at that point. Taken by someone else. And it's a nice leather jacket. It is. Ev looks great in leather. She does. We we discussed that. Just a funny thing that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So at the sorority party, Portia and her friend are trying real hard to get Sydney in. She's the get for the yeah. sorority. Um, Sydney doesn't care and yeah. uh, just wants She's a good time. She's not a sorority kind of girl. No. Um. So. Meanwhile. Yes. At the other at, sorority. At the other sorority, really nice scene. Um. What What is the actress Sarah name? Sarah Michelle again? Geller. Sarah Michelle. But Geller. also Cece. Cece, she gets a phone call from, you know, the titular scream. And, you know, the person's messing with her and just the way the tension builds and her, like, I feel like she's making the right decisions, which makes it scary instead of, oh, you should have done this, this, and this. And the person's breaking into the house, chases chases her up the stairs, she gets chucked out a window after getting stabbed. You, you got to talk more about how it's all drawn out, though. It's just yeah. I was hoping so you could. Well. You could. So she's talking in. to her friend, and she is the sober sister of the night. So she's the DD right. for anyone who needs it. That's why she's there alone. And then she gets this call from someone who I think she thinks is her boyfriend or something. Yeah, Ted, or of course. She or it's the booty call because her friend says he only calls you when he's drunk. Yeah. Um. 
So she starts hearing some weird noises. She checks outside. No one there. Uh, One of the sorority sisters is there, like shows up, grabs something, leaves and says, make sure to turn on the alarm, which she does immediately. But while they're talking in the background, you see Ghostface come in. Yeah. Um, and hide in a closet. And it's just so fun because it's like, ooh, Ghostface is taking risks. He's getting in. And then yeah. as a as a viewer, you're screaming, no, because she sets the alarm. But what good is that going to do her now? Right. So she like, gets... He's in there. Yeah. So the, the guy calls her again. She realizes it's not the person she thinks he is, just like everyone else. And then she starts getting chased around. He's in the closet. Uh-huh. Um, again, just still fun stuff. Like she's getting, she's getting away from him. She's throwing things at him. Like he's not invincible. Yeah, like yeah. she's able to run. She makes it up to what seems like the attic or something. Yeah, like the crawl space. Yeah, and he throws her out the window, like you said, and then stabs her and then throws her off the balcony, which is just yeah. pretty crazy. And when the movies are so gory that I was like, "Ooh, I hope they don't show her splat," and they didn't, which I no. was thankful for. I don't like when we see the splat. I feel like a lot of movies, even though they're graphic, sometimes it's the falling that they don't show. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think reading whether I should watch Midsommar or not, I think there is a there is an explicit splat in that movie. Yeah. Of like a man being thrown onto rocks. Yeah. From high above. I think, is it just one person? I thought a couple of people do that. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So she gets thrown off. And what's funny is when she's thrown out the window, the alarm goes off. Yeah, yeah. I love that touch. <laughs> it's a good touch. Bless you. Thanks. So she did. Yeah. And... Police show up. Everyone clears out of the party, the other sorority house, because they find out what happened. Like, something's going on at Kappa Beta Zeta. And I think it's Omega Beta Zeta. Omega Beta Zeta. Or Omega, I mean. Whatever. So they go over to that house. Um, But at this house, so she's about to leave with Derek. The phone's ringing, and she just gets that look on her face of, like, what if? Yeah, and, and the camera follows her to the phone, after it was looking at Jerry O'Connell, who's outside, uh-huh. and then um, she answers the phone, and then the camera sh- goes back. It's a one-shot, and the door is closed now. I think Ghostface slams the door. Or, or yeah, he slams it, but it's all in one shot, and then yeah. it's like, oh, no, and then Ghostface is chasing her. Yeah. Then Jerry O'Connell jumps in, but out of frame, like, like yep. Nev yep. doesn't see it, Yep. he gets cut. And he doesn't get any main arteries, nothing like that. So so he's kind of cast into question. And he's yeah. a med student. Yep. I like that. I know. It's and, good. And I do love when, when she gets the call, there's just this look on her face where, or no, no, afterward, when she sees Jerry and his cut arm, I think she's not even considering him as a suspect. She's just going, oh, no. It's happening again. I can't believe it's happening again. I think again. she's suspecting him at that point. I you think, think be- so? I think because of trauma, she yeah. is suspecting him whether or not she wants to. Okay, yeah. Because she can't not think about it at that point. Yeah. So what I also like about these movies, and especially the scene, when she's being chased around the house by Ghostface, the, the places where they get chased around a lot are like big houses with a lot of corners and a lot of different rooms. And I know. So there's a lot of running through rooms and at one point Ghostface peeling off to cut through a different room. And yeah. sometimes you get a couple seconds of nothing. Yeah. Of the care, especially later on with the Courtney Cox scene. That's why it's so chilling. Yeah. It's just so good. Such good suspense. Dewey also shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and tries to find the guy when Derek tells him where he went, doesn't find anyone. So then police are questioning everybody now because another student on campus has been murdered. Yep. Um, and throughout this movie, Sydney is feeling that survivor's guilt like crazy. Like that is what she's going through. And she gets to points where it's like, this is because of me. It should have been me. She keeps saying things about how it should have been me or like he could have been killed. And, she's trying to isolate herself. So ever since this happened with Derek from here on out, she's just keeps telling him, we got to take a break. You got to stop talking to me. It's in your best interest. Yeah. I love what they did character development wise for her. It's great. So, um, what else that I find was find interesting is when the police are interviewing Derek about it, a lot of the things that they're saying is why would you run into the house? Yep. And he's saying to catch the person who was chasing her. And they they're, say you're suspicious of that. Not only that, though, it's like now we're in an era of you're you're not supposed to be the hero anymore. Yeah, like that's what you were told. And I remember getting my first jobs and what in training and orientation is saying like if people are stealing something or it's gonna like rob you at your register, give you them the give them to them. You no one is no one's the hero anymore. Yeah, and we're we're. There's only one hero, and his name's Spider-Man. Okay. But that, that's just an interesting thing that people are now, like, you you get in trouble for trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Now. hmm Thank you for listening, everybody. Yep. Uh, I bet that joke has gotten but old to our listeners. In that scene as well, Mickey is talking to Sydney, and she is saying, like, he could have been killed, and Mickey is just giving her a shoulder to cry on, like, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're, uh-huh. we're so lucky to have you. And we're here for you. Yeah. So it's, th- yeah. It's good. Then then uh, Courtney Cox and Dewey start realizing that it's possibly. Um, how did I just pronounce that word? I don't know. <laughs> it like was like an air bubble, possibly. Uh, uh, that that there might be a copycat. Yeah. Because the pr- people who have been killed all have one name in common with the the a murderers victim. of the previous movie. Victims of the last victims. Movie. Yes. And uh, I, I, I think Timothy gets picked up by the police. No, no, no. Cotton does later. But that's not here yet. Um, yeah, we got a little ways. There's the Top Gun scene, which we sort of already talked about, where he's yep. earning his love. And he gives her his letters. Yeah. Um, then there's the, the scene from Stab that has Luke Wilson and Tori Spelling. And it's yeah. maybe my favorite cameo because Luke Wilson as... Ski Ulrich as Billy is just couldn't be funnier. I don't I think. Yeah, and he is just really hamming it up. It's and the very hair self-aware. is crazy. His hair bad. looks so bad. It is, and it's a moment. Amazing. It's the same moment from the last movie where Sydney and Billy were having an intimate, private conversation at school that no one saw. Uh-huh. If we're looking at it as a reality standpoint, <laughs> yeah. therefore. This sh- this would never be in the movie because no one knows this happened, right? Unless Sydney wrote the book and she did, but Gail wrote the book, and you know Sydney didn't give her an interview. So it's just so funny that they sh- they I'm sure consciously chose that scene. Yeah, um, and Tori Spelling being in it in the last movie, they said, "Sid, who do you think's gonna play you in the movie of this whole story?" And someone's like, "I think it could. Be- I think you're totally a Meg Ryan." And then I think Sydney says, "If I'm lucky, I'll get Tori Spelling." And that's who she got. Yeah. Very fun. Very wild. So 
So court. So Gale. Oh, and and, and remember he hits his head. Uh, Luke <laughs> yeah. Wilson hits his head and goes stupid. <laughs> and then it, and then it cuts out a scene because it's one of those like this next weekend stab is coming out. Let's take a look at a clip. Yeah. Like one of those shows. But it's like on a morning talk show. Yeah. It, well, Which I they used they to would, do that all do the that. time. Never mind. I'm thinking of late night. Yeah, Jordan. They do that sometimes. But um, so yeah, Dewey and Gail are teaming up. They they are, I mean, it's the sexual attraction to each other. It's just unstoppable. They're going to yeah. work together. One's a positive, one's a negative. They got to get together. Right. You know what I mean? And during all of this, Gail's cameraman, cameraman quits. Yeah. Or wants to quit because Because like you said, killed. like brothers don't last in these Not types only of that, movies. Her last dude. And yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny because he is now reading, decides to read her book. Yeah, and he's because like, all what the heck did I sign up like, for? Like he got good and she's like, I fabricated that. He got his throat slashed in real life. And he's like, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is that the same scene where Randy's with them and they're talking? So the the next scene I have written down is when Randy and Dewey talk At about the 31 rules. Robins. Yes. And they're like who could be the killer. Now this is just a great scene. Yeah. Super fun. Randy gives three rules cuz he's saying this is a sequel. The person's trying to outdo the original. So what the, here's the rules that you got to have for a sequel. Number 1, the body count is higher, mm-hmm. which I'm I think is correct for this movie. Um, number two, there's more blood and more gore. I think that's also correct for this movie. Mm-hmm. And then number three, never, ever, ever, and then he gets cut off. And we don't know what he says. Yeah. But the teaser trailer for this movie has it. And the the rule number three from Randy is if you want your film to become a successful franchise, never, ever, under any circumstance, assume the killer is dead. Oh. So. Nice. That's that's what it is. Uh, the lack of a third role in the film's final cut was a deliberate in-joke by the crew, referencing the fact that it is impossible to ensure that a horror franchise will be successful. Okay. PR. <laughs> um, so then it's them on, it's Dewey, Gale, and Randy. Sure. Talking on campus, and one of them gets a call. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. This is a great scene. Ghostface, and they're all, the, the campus, there's just students everywhere. And they're running around, like, trying to grab whoever's yeah. on a it's cell a phone. It's pretty, it's like, a, it's like kind of crazy that they did this kind of scene to me. That it, they're just why? running up to people, ripping phones out of their hands, and like, it, it's so out in the open. I think yeah. it's crazy that they came up with this idea, and it's broad daylight. It's a pretty, it, it almost feels more like you're, like, like, this scene is more of like a, like a born like thriller scene than yeah. it is like the uh, the horror movie and it's cool that they're tapping into that yeah so they all split up um gail is with dewey, dewey running up to people and ripping phones out of their hands and then randy is talking to the person and the person starts talking about just what happened in their past in the last movie and talks about billy and randy gets out a very funny f you yeah i I think it was like you could never have done it no no they say you would you can never be a leading man that's what it is yeah and it really offended him i thought it was funny yeah um so he gets close to gail's van and gets pulled inside and killed and i was bummed because i could not remember if he died yeah and he's like probably my favorite and so it was a bummer that it's like, oh man, there's two movies without him. 
Yeah. And I mean, I'm assuming there's three movies without him. Yeah. But he's great. And I I uh I even looked up the actor on Wikipedia, Jamie, and I looked for a con- there was no controversy section on his Wikipedia. As if like they killed him off for a reason. No, no, no. I looked up the actor because I was like, he's so great in this, but I wonder what he's up to these days. And a lot of times when you click on actors, oh. and you, he had no controversy section. Maybe people just don't want him anymore. He's out. Sorry to say it. He's gone. Well, I think he's still doing stuff, but I was just, uh, I was happy to know that he's not like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. It anyway, is nice to know that. But it's nice to know there's somebody out there. Yeah, for everyone. Uh, <laughs> um, so then we got... Um, the acting coach uh, yep. is talking, and this is like the opera scene. Now, the acting yep. coach, he is in The Omen. Okay. I believe. It's The Omen or The Exorcist. He's in one of those two. I bet it's The Omen. I think, I'm pretty sure it's The Omen. And I was watching, when I saw him on, when we were watching it last night, I was like, oh my gosh, I was watching John Carpenter's Body Bags. Is he in that? And he's in that. Cool. And he was great in that, in a very, very funny Twilight Zoney episode about a guy trying to regrow his hair because he was losing his hair. What does he take and what happens? Well, uh, so he, you know, he's very vain about his hair and his girlfriend's like, no, you look great. And he's, he's trying to pays and all that stuff. And as someone who is balding, I was like yucking it up watching this. And um, then he goes to this company that has like a new treatment of hair loss Um and it's run by this guy, the mm-hmm. acting coach. And they they give him the stuff, and the next day he has, you know, this beautiful mound Luxurious of hair. Locks. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, the days after, he's having hair grow out of everywhere. Nice. And it turns out that um, the, the people who run the company are aliens. Nice. And they have little, like, hair aliens that they give to people to feed them. <laughs> so, like, the aliens are eating them? It's like eating the people that get the hair put on them. I effing love that. <laughs> it, it was very funny, and there was a lot of cool effects, and some of them were very, very gross, like weird practical gross stuff. Like, that's was like, it like eating their skin off of them at some point? No, just like, you know, hair coming out of someone's <gasps> cheek and, Ooh, you know, just kind of some weird stuff. Bo- body bags, it, it's like a, for those that don't know, it's it's John Carpenter, and then one of one of the stories is directed by Toby Hooper, who did Poltergeist. Um, so there's, there's three stories and it's pretty fun if you like schlocky Twilight Where did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon. It was just like, you can watch it on Amazon. Uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I, I had a heck of a time and Mark Hamill is in the third one, which is directed by Toby Hooper. And you know, it's like he gets a new eye, but it's a killer's eye. And so Um, you can guess where that goes. You can cut this part out if you want. What? Is, is Was it Mark Hamill before he had the accident? Because I feel like I saw part of that, like a section of that, and he didn't look no, like he was in the accident. No, it was after. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he, he got in the accident um, in between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, but how many years is that? Like one? Two? No, uh, I, I think A New Hope is 78, and... Empire Strikes Back is 82. Okay. So, yeah, that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Because I, I did think that there was a little bit of a gap between those two movies. And yeah. He, he, looks, was... he looks so different. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And so, it's always fascinating to me. I, I haven't seen him well, that's partially... pre-accident outside of Star Wars, I think. Yeah, probably not. 
So I'm just interested. That, and, and that's part of the reasoning behind, at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, he gets attacked by the Wampa in the ice cave. Okay. So that's kind of like... At least I'm I I feel like I've read this, but or at least it makes sense to me if if I didn't read this, it's like he gets attacked pretty brutally, and then he gets out, and you know it's like oh, he, you know he's scarred up hmm. now, like he was attacked by this creature. Yeah. That makes sense. We'd love to have you on the show, Mark. Yeah, I he's, would, I would love to best. meet him. He's just the I best. Would. He yeah, he would be. He'd be a top like five if you could choose, because I feel like he would just. He's like one of my favorite people all time. He's so good. Yeah. And his voice acting. I mean, he I skips. I know. And he's such a nice person. Yeah. From what you tell me on Twitter. Yeah, he's great. Um, so then we have the play scene, and in the play, uh, she is getting uh, attacked. Sydney's, Sydney's by leading people. lady. We did not say that. She yeah. is the lead of this play. Yeah, we, just, we did, I think. I liked that when th this part happens. I'm like, this seems like a cool play. It did. Bummer well, that yeah, it's never going to come I was like, happen. this is some intense production the, value. The, the costumes were so cool. Yeah. So you told us about the story already. Yeah. But there's a point where she is like running away from all of these. People getting, stabbing her. People stabbing her. And she sees one of them is Ghostface. Yeah. And he is actually trying to stab her. But he's, like, toying with her. Yeah. And I think she's thinking, like, am I imagining things now? But then every, but then the person who was trying to do it, like, she's screaming, and then it cuts back. Oh, I think it was real. You think so? Yeah, because I saw someone run off. Okay. Because it feel, I think the way that they edit, at least the last person who's, like, about to stab her, it cuts to that person, and they take off their mask, and they're like, what's I going on? I think if we rewatch that scene, you, I could point it out. You could point out nothing to me. I could point out like like Michael you. Scott. I understand nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, so she's not doing well. Yeah, she's having a tough time. And also, it's like acting coach. You're cool. You're like British, and you sound really interesting, and you know your acting stuff. Don't put this girl through this play. Don't yeah. put her through a play where people are trying to stab her. Come on. Yeah. I, I don't know. care that you don't have an understudy. But he's, yeah, I don't have an understudy. I'm desperate. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, got to eat. Um, and then we have Cotton in the library. Okay, so Sydney's at the library trying to do some homework. Yeah. And someone is trying to message her on the computer. She gets a DM. An IM. An IM. Micah. Yes. And it someone says... Someone slid into those DMs. Slid into the IM. So it says, she will die tonight. You will die tonight. The yeah. police can't save you. And since then, she's had two detectives with her the whole time. Um, and then she's freaks out is trying to, and, and the detectives are trying to look for the other person mm -hmm. in the library. And that's when she runs into cotton and he's like, we have to do this interview and he's being with really, Diane like, Sawyer. Yeah. He's grabbing her and not letting her leave. It's really aggressive. Very creepy scene. Yeah. And then they wind up arresting him. Uh, -huh. um, and they're, so they, it cuts right to the police station. So okay. they're, they're talking to him, and he's just so great because he's just like, does the word innocent mean nothing anymore? Be because they, they suspect him, I mean, pretty much for what just happened, but I think he he must know that he, when he walks around anywhere, people see, oh, that's the guy that was convicted for the rape and murder of that woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but he was let go because they found out it wasn't him. No, he did it. Yeah, yeah, it's like guilty once, guilty always, kind of thing. Yeah. So, just great that he has that 
that baggage that he's to carry around with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's just given all the detectives lip about it. Yeah. And outside, uh, Sydney finds out that's when she finds out Randy was killed. Yeah. And then that's also when she keeps saying that should have been me things. And then they found out they're told that she's going to be taken to a safe location, which I can only assume is the same safe house that, um, Will Graham was taken to with his family in my, in, in Manhunter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. Let's watch Manhunter again. Okay. Um, okay. And the reporter played by Laurie Metcalf and Cox, uh, have some discussions, heated discussions back and forth. Yeah. It's what's interesting about, that's when I remembered. Yeah. What's interesting about Gail Weathers character in this movie is she's still a reporter, but now she's also the story. Yeah. So there are these reporters wanting to ask her questions now. Yeah, I love and that. I th- and I think if you're watching for the first time, you think that that is like personified in Laurie Metcalf's character alone until right. the twist happens. But before that, it's just I like, never the when I first watched it, I had I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I probably I sure I didn't either. But you know, she's like, okay, it's all she is the one that's wanting to ask her so many questions. Yeah, and and Laurie's just so good because she's just very she. She seems like she does know what she's doing, but she also seems a little, um, a little focused, off. but like aloof. I think that's so why it, the casting's good. Oh yeah, because when 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 it's revealed it's her, she's so like not that person. She was just acting. Like yeah. she's so good. I yeah. love I love her in this movie. Love her in everything I've ever seen her in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. Um. Dewey stat. Okay. We, Oh, yeah. Dewey so, gets stabbed. Oh, the recording studio. Okay. So, um, Gail is given a lot of tapes that her cameraman before he quit had given her of like, like B roll of people at the college and stuff. Yeah. And she thinks it stands to reason that this, the killer should be on these tapes. So, her and Dewey find a room with a VCR to find, to watch in them. the film study, like, building yeah and they it pretty it gets hot and heavy Quick. pretty fast and um but th- the hot and heavy turns ice cold pretty fast yeah because then they switch to video camera of them live right there yes and so they look up to the control room ghost face is up there yeah he comes in starts chasing him um dewey falls down the stairs that looks painful and then Gail slides across the top of the counter, which was a good move. Yeah, definitely a stunt double, but... But, like, pretty cool. And she runs out of the room, running down the hall. All the doors are locked. Yep. And you're just get feeling that dread. But you don't really hear pitter-patter of feet behind you. What's going... She's got to get away. Finds an unlocked door. Dark room. I feel like a lot of this is a one-shot. Or... Yeah. 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 It, it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive, Micah, and you need to understand yeah. it. So she yeah. gets into this room. It looks like a recording studio with a ton of walls. They're they're like corners. soundproof foam wall things. And the way the way she's navigating them, it's just she's she's one breath away from taking the wrong turn and, it and getting is, caught. Oh my gosh, it's just the the suspense is killing me. So <laughs> she <laughs> makes it into another room barricades the door and then Ghostface is trying to break down the mirror or the window. That's when yeah. Dewey comes in and Dewey sees her, but she's in a soundproof room or he mm-hmm. is. 
I don't know which way it he works. Is, but um, and she, so she can't hear him. Audio wise, this scene doesn't work, but I like it because yeah, it's very suspenseful. Um, because in the next scene, the ghost face is hitting a window, and she can hear that he's hitting the window. But like just a second ago, when Dewey was hitting it, she couldn't hear anything. The but, ghost face thing happened first, just so you know. No, but w- uh, in in after he stabs Dewey, he starts hitting like a different window in the same room. And she can hear like the bong of stuff hitting it. Okay, okay, but, but it doesn't matter. Ghostface I mean, gets to Dewey. It's intense, so and there's nothing she can do but watch. And yeah. that is definitely the scene slash part where my sister and I were like, uh, "Let's take a break." Oh, because <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, and that helplessness feeling is so high. When I, I was thinking, I thought David Arquette was in all of these movies. Yeah, and then that happened, and I went. No, is he dead ma- again? Maybe he comes back. Ma- maybe he lives, but I mean, that looked like pretty final. I know. But of course he lives in this movie. Yeah, spoiler um, alert. And then, so then she makes it out of the room and Cotton is there too, covered in blood. Yeah. And he says, no, I just found Dewey. Yeah. That's why I'm covered in blood. And she runs away and he is like, this does not look good to me or for me. Yeah. Then we cut to Sydney. Yeah. Do we? I think we cut to Jerry O'Connell getting grabbed by his college friends for giving away his yeah omega bega bega mega letters and they're they they're they, hazing he, him he becomes Icarus at the, on the stage uh, <laughs> next strapped to the sun that's what I've always thought of since it's like Greek play it's like yeah, maybe okay. it's Icarus it's probably not um, so they're hazing him and that'll come into effect a little later beer is involved yeah I I just wrote beer soaked. Because they're throwing beer all over. Yeah, it's beer soaked. And then uh, her roommate and Sydney are in a car with the detectives mm-hmm. that are like her bodyguards, basically. And they're driving. And how do they crash the car again? Well, No Face shows up at a stoplight. No Face. Ghost Face shows up. Ghost Face, yeah. At a stop at a traffic. Oh, and he like jumps on the car. Yeah, well, he like breaks the window and like stabs the driver. I think he slits his throat. Yeah. And then this is the most intense scene, I think. Of the I think movie. so too. And, well, I actually think that's the last one, but this one's pretty intense too. Throws the other guy out of the car and like roughs him up a little bit, but he actually doesn't stab him mm-hmm. from my memory. And then Ghostface takes control of the car, but the detective that's still alive jumps on the hood and they're yeah. driving around. And it's, you said, fun day for the stunt guy. Totally. Yeah. It and then they fun. crash and, and the, they crash into this pole that's sticking out of a construction site and it goes through the detective's eye into the car and then Ghostface is knocked out. But what's so, this scene is just so intense Yeah, because Sydney and her friend are in the backseat of a police car. They can't unlock the car because it's a police car. So they have to pull back the grate and then the only way to get out is over the lap of Ghostface who is unconscious and you're hoping that he doesn't wake up. And definitely, I'm sure the first time I saw this, I felt this way where they, they make it through. It's slow. You're just sitting yeah. on the edge of your seat. It makes you, the viewer, kind of go. Yeah. But you're probably screaming in your head like, why aren't you taking off his mask? Yeah. Which is what Sydney goes to first. Roommate says, no, we need to get out of here. And then they're starting to run away. And Sydney says, no, I have to know. And then you're probably like, yes, you do. We have to know, too. Yeah. Goes back. Ghostface isn't there. Yeah. And then her roommate gets murdered. Well, and and it's 
it's funny, and and I think it I think it correlates with some of the themes they're bringing up in regards to black people in horror movies, because um, every character that is black in this movie, when when there is trouble, they they've been in horror movies, they know, so they're like, no no no, don't go back for the mask, we gotta leave. Yeah, all all of them. I think that's like a pretty intentional theming in the movie where it's like, no no no, we're smarter than this, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, because we're gonna die first. Yeah, <laughs> which is like. I just I just think that that's a smart and interesting touch on the movie. Yeah, it's un- it stinks that her friend gets killed though, like right away I know, after that. I know because she was being smart, right? So, but anyway, so um, Sydney makes it back to the school and she goes to the auditorium. Yeah, why? I don't remember. Me I think neither. she gets a call or something. Yeah, so she makes it there. And um, Derek is lowered down from the rafters because he's still pinned against the sun. And he's still alive and she's trying to get him down. Yep. And uh, someone yells and she turns around and it's none other than Mickey himself. Yep. And he, so his whole motive, I love this, is he goes, he goes, I got to make the sequel better. This is not even the movie. What just happened? The sequel to me is the legal part. I'm going to claim that the movies made me do a killing. It's never been done before. I'm breaking new ground. Yeah. And that's his whole thing. And he goes, Which the Christian is, coalition will pay my legal fees. It's so interesting. I I love that this is, it reminds me of like old timey kind of stuff where it is like, I'm explaining to you everything and how it's <laughs> yeah. worked the whole time. And him explaining it, it's like, that's really interesting. That doesn't make sense though. It yeah. doesn't. Oh, that no, that like, would not work. No, no. And it, and I don't think you're supposed to believe him. Like like he's delusional. Obviously, he's killing people for this whole thing. Like something's wrong with you. Well, if and you're doing and it that. helps that Lori Metcalf shoots him, and yes. she's like, I can't believe he thought that legal thing was gonna do anything. I know that was great. So yeah. So, um, he admits that he wasn't working alone. Oh, actually, sorry. Before that, he kills Derek. <laughs> yes. And I'd, oh yeah, which wasn't. Yeah. I don't know how they. It was crazy. Like they shoot him in the chest, and it it like explodes out. Yeah. I mean, I'm a. I guess they must have had like a fake body, and I think it was a Jerry, prosthetic on top of him. But maybe like Jerry O'Connell's like head is just sticking out of like a fake body or something like that that can explode I think like that. It's a prosthetic on his body. Yeah. That, that either way was a what is it called a squib? squib? Yeah. Um. It was, it was, I was like, oh, I know. And he's taunting him before he shoots him. Like Sydney, it's him. Of course it is. Of course it's your boyfriend. He was the partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so he dies and then Gail shows up and he's like, who could be number two? The second person that was killing everyone. Gail shows up right behind her is Lori Metcalf and Lori Metcalf shoots Gail and she falls into the pit, the orchestra pit. Yep. And, um, that's and it's funny and like ironic and so scream that the finale of this is happening on a stage, a oh, literal that's, stage. I didn't think about that. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's cool. So Lori Metcalf is Mrs. Loomis, which is Billy's mom. Yeah. Good motivation. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, though, it's n- none of them are going to be as good as the first movie, which is kind of the whole funny point about this movie. Uh-huh. Um, because it's like at the end of the last movie, you find out. Billy kind of did have a motive. It's because her Sydney's mom slept with his dad and that's why his parents got a divorce. Yeah. So it's like his mom left them. And so that's kind of this like 
grudge he's held against her. So then you find out like, oh, okay, so Mrs. Loomis also, it's all about revenge, which is what she says. Yeah. Just like not as interesting to me. Sure. And it's sometimes, and, and I don't even think the twist is too big or anything, but it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It works for me. I think but... it's, I think it's fun. It's just in comparison to the last movie, not as good. Yeah. But she shoots Timothy or Mickey. Yeah. And, and then there's, you know, there's a big showdown yeah. and it eventually gets to where, uh, uh, cotton has a gun pulled on, uh, uh, Mrs. Loomis who has her, a gun pulled on Sydney. And she's kind of like, if, if I took care of her right now, just let me kill her. You know, you, you, you can get off scot-free and you can know that this person who hurt you for a year and had you in prison for a year is dead uh-huh. and you just don't even have to worry about it and talk about your 15 minutes of fame. You know, you'll be on the evening news tonight. And then, uh, uh, basically he says, Sydney, if I don't kill you, will you do the Diane Sawyer thing? And she says, yeah. And so then he shoots, <laughs> shoots. the mom. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that. That's that. Of course, uh, uh, Timothy gets up and they have to shoot him again. Yeah, and Gail's not dead. Yeah. He's fine. And then they're all getting out of the... But, well, well, well oh, sorry, yeah. real quick. But Billy Loomis's mom is lying there and then Sydney just shoots her like two or three times. Or no, she just, just shoots, shoots her in, her the, in head the head because she's like, I'm not risking it. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot they, they were like unloading on Timothy and then yeah. yeah. So then they make it out of the building, presses all the you know, police police is there, press is there. Yeah. Um yeah. Dewey's not dead. And Gail's cameraman comes back and she's yep. about to do a story, sees that Dewey is not dead and being wheeled out, and she chooses Dewey over the scoop. She does. And it's so sweet. And then um everyone's swarming Sydney and Cotton. For what's going on. And that's when Sydney says it was all him. He saved everybody. Yep. And you can see he's just like, thank you. And then and then especially he's like, guys, there's a time and a place to get my and side of the price. story. And a price. Here's my card. <laughs> so funny. It's like, what a bad dude. I know. But um, yeah. I mean, that's the movie, right? Yeah. We 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 did it uh in so much, well, I guess not so much quicker, but still about a half hour shorter than Scream 1. Wow. So what are you going to say about that, folks? Huh? Next week, we're going to talk about Scream 3. Can you believe it, Jordan? Uh, Yeah, I can. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. What do we want to end off this episode with? Um, how hungry I am and how we just need to stop recording so I can go eat. 